PBIS Journey to Genius. Are you in the process of implementing PBIS? Are you wondering where to start? You are in the right place. We are here to support you. Stay tuned. everybody. This is um, the podcast we put together. My name is Diane Farrell and I'm here with Diane Ruff. And we have worked together for many years and we have put together our positive behavior intervention and support system. And we're going back in time a little bit coming forward and telling you our ups and downs and what has happened um, and putting that together. So our last episode we had last week, we interviewed um, a principal that was with us at that time and helped us um, go through that um, change. And now we're going on um, to take the next step. Diane, what are we doing? Well, like you said, the last episode, the big takeaway from that episode was, you know, to focus on the adults when getting ready to implement PBIS. Oftentimes, when school administrators make a large-scale change, they don't consider the staff. We must honor the fact that all staff come to an organization with their own special talent or genius. Whether you are bringing schools together or just making a monumental change, we need to work with the genius within the staff. So today, we kind of want to explain what we mean by using a framework. What is a PBIS framework? So we want to talk a little bit about what goes into a framework and how you can start putting this together and tapping into the genius of your staff. So what is a framework, Diane? Well, so many people, whenever they start, when we started PBIS, because we were looking for that answer to behavior. Just to recap a little bit, we were bringing two buildings together into one, and we had different behavior systems, and we had lots of different staff that were used to different things. So we were looking for that. PBIS was coming out into the education world, and we heard about it, and we were like, okay, so we wanted a manual. We did. We were expecting a manual that said, do this, this, and this. Step one. And we found out very quickly that um, a framework is not a manual. You literally have to create your framework, and all frameworks are a little bit different. Our framework at MES is much different from a framework maybe in your school or a school that you might know about. So whenever schools, a lot of schools understand, feel this way, though, when they get it, because they're they looking do. for that that easy manual. But Diane and I found out that that is a little bit of genius that they don't give it to you. Because it does make you develop what works for you. And that can be painful because you just want an easy teacher's yes. manual. That's what you want. You want, oh, this is all I need to do. I don't have to spend any time on it. And we'll just make this work. But that's not what really works. No. And we're very busy people. So we're used to getting things like that. So we found out that you have to develop a framework. So the very first thing that um, we realized, well, I guess there are five elements to a framework. So when developing a framework, you need to think about equity, how you're going to adapt practices to meet all the student needs, and that's all students. You need to think about the systems in your building, routines, procedures, staff training, 
The third, you want to have data. That's right. That, that's a big thing. We found out that data drives everything, especially in ministry. Yes. So data, 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 and we're going to talk about that too. And But data is very important to evaluate your practices and find out if they're being successful. Another one is, um, you know, uh, your practices. How are you intervening with uh, behavior? What are your strategies and are they backed by research? And your goal is to improve behavior. I mean, I mean that's what you want. Social, emotional, academic, you need to improve that behavior. That's what this is all about. So how do you do it? So whenever we started, because we were talking to some people and, and even people that didn't have PBIS yet in their schools, and um, they were like, okay, why do I even want to do this? Okay, what is, what is in this for me? And how do I start? So what do I think about? Because there's not that teacher's manual. So we, Diana and I kind of went together and said, okay, why do I want to do this? One, it is to decrease behavior in your schools, misbehavior, to improve Mm -hmm. good behavior and to decrease poor behavior. Right. That's exactly what you want to do. The whole focus is prevention and not punishment. So we, we got very excited when we heard that because we thought, all right, this is, this is the road we want to go down. We want to start training kids, students on what we expect and how we expect them to behave in a school. So we talked about that before and that Diana and I have been in education a long time. We've been here for, you know, 35 some years and we decide and we, it is, kids don't come in with the behavior they don't they used to. They just don't. The, the expected behaviors that were there in that traditional classroom when we went to school are just not there. So we can't just throw the kids out the door. I mean, we can't keep suspending them. That was, and that was, that was actually another thing that kind of drove this. I remember in the beginning because there was a big deterrent for suspensions. So the state of Ohio is like, you can't just keep kicking them out. Like you have, like something needs to be done. Suspension is not the answer. And we know with elementary children, you can't just send them home if parents can't be there. So what are you going to do? So the big thing that we talked about in starting this framework was... What are what are the big rules that you want to happen in and the building? And we thought too that we could just develop it, um, Michelle, mm-hmm. Diane, myself, that we could sit down and start really. Okay, here's what we believe the three big rules should be, or the five big rules. Um, and also, we could have sat down and just started creating our matrix of expected behaviors in the building, but. Um, we really didn't want to go down that road again because as we talked before with Michelle, uh, it doesn't work well when you require teachers to do things without input. So we had learned a lesson there. Yeah, if you didn't listen to our podcast mm-hmm. before, we, um, Michelle Nerva was our principal at the time that we were, you know, going through this, and she realized that it is very difficult to tell teachers what to do all the time and them not to have input in it. So we we found that out, we understood that, we heard it, and so we wanted them to be involved. So we wanted them, and that's one of our big takeaways. We want you all to know is that the more staff input you have in all this, the better. Right. I mean, absolutely. And so, the you know, we actually offered an in-service day at the end of um, 
at the end of school into June, mm-hmm. and we put it out mm-hmm. to everyone to come. And the very first thing we did is we asked our people, what do you want kids, uh, what big rules do you want in our school? And we gave them some ideas. We talked about, you know, here's what other schools are doing. They talk about, because we want to be positive. So being safe, being responsible, being respectful. Um, and that ended up being our three big rules, our our teachers like that. They thought they could get behind that. And they tell you to keep it to they three do. so you remember They say it. three to five. Because if you get right. too many, if you get too many, after three, people go, um. That's true. But if you if you can, you know, three is, some people go up to five, maybe the middle schools or high schools, but especially in elementary, three's a great number because they can remember three. And, that, and that's what you want. You want them to remember. And also, when you're picking out rules for areas of the building, keep it concise too. If you get too many, then that's too much right. too. So you got to, what are the big things you want to happen in all and parts you of your And you your teachers building? to be a part of that because as we talked before, teachers make a lot of decisions every single day. And so, you know, they need to be on board with your three big rules um, and coming to a consensus. So that's one of the very first things you want to do in developing your framework. And then the second thing you want to do in developing your framework is to talk about the matrix. We call it the matrix. We actually have one on our website. It's not a movie. Uh, So you can, (laughs) that's true. You can take a look at our matrix and we can actually um, probably even put a matrix in here. I think that we can drop Mm -hmm. it in here in our notes. But taking a look at that matrix and what the matrix is, is we are defining behavior, expected behavior throughout the building. And your teachers are your resource on that. They know how they want children to behave throughout the building. Even middle school and high school, what do you want your students, how do you want them to act and behave in the big areas of the building? in the hallways, in the cafeteria, in the restrooms. Um, And it is so important that everybody's on board with that because let's just even think like in elementary, we want everyone quiet in the hallways. That's important because elementary students don't always change classes at the same time. So that way there's some students in class that are trying to learn when others are walking down. So that's important. Middle school, that's that's not as important. That was the turning point. Yes, you know, it was. Because we had a group of teachers come together, anybody that wanted to be there. And when we started talking about what do you want kids to do? How do you want them to behave in the hallway? Every single teacher at the table said, we want them to be quiet. That was huge buy-in. And that was kind of like our starting point. We're like, okay, we can make that happen. Um, and with the matrix, then you have to actually say the behavior you're going to see. You know, we're going to see kids walking. Everything needs to be said in the yes. positive. It's just like, don't say don't run down the hall. Say, I like the way you walk down the hall because the, per- right. the child's going to do what you, say. what you say. So everything needs to be said in the positive as to what you want. But really those expected behaviors and everybody being on board with them is the only way that you'll always get them reinforced. It is. And the more teachers you can include in helping you develop a matrix, the better. So, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about the matrix in our next uh, couple of episodes, but we wanted you to understand what a matrix matrix is. So, um, so the first, so in our advice to getting started, start out with three big rules, at least that you want across your building, that every rule is going to fall under those safe, responsible, respectful are ours, but you know, maybe you come up with some other catchy ones, but those are quick, easy. And kids know, is that safe? Is that responsible? Is that respectful? Second, uh, advice is start that matrix. I mean, I think sometimes when people want to do PBIS, 
they just get overwhelmed. They, they do. Just, they think to the end, yes. like I've got to do all this stuff. And Diane and I are here to take you through step by step. It's not, it doesn't, you're not at the end yet. That took us it years. Did. Start simple. And the matrix is your And beginning. really in, in a year's time, if you can get your three to five rules and mm-hmm. your matrix, and then one more definitions of mm-hmm. major and minor behaviors. So important. You um, are off to a very good start. And again, all of those things need to be developed with your staff. Uh, so definitions of major and minor behaviors. That's huge. Uh, we did a big chart mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. Because Absolutely. some people think that maybe bringing, well, back in the day, I don't know now yeah. so much. We, we like to say that back in the <laughs> but, day. I you don't know. know. Um, okay. This would have been a good 20 years ago or so. We, you know, kids would be in trouble for not bringing a pencil to class or not having a pencil mm-hmm. and being sent to the office. Well, is that really a major misbehavior? Is that a need to go to the office? We think about that. And like, you know, Diane and I having taught a long time ago, you know, some teachers will keep kids in, in their oh, rooms yes. for many behaviors. And then when they bring that behavior to the office, it might be a minor behavior, but they have had it. So they want maximum punishment. Well, as an administrator, that's not mm-hmm. fair to mm-hmm. you because you don't know what's led up to that. And you don't know, whereas another teacher may just go, you know, I don't have time for this. I'm just even minor behavior. So it's really important to do those major and minor behaviors and everybody to be aware yes. of it. Yes. And so we're going to talk a lot more about how, you know, what our major and minors look like um, and how teachers develop it and we, how we put ours together. So that will be in future future episodes and really honestly once that happened teachers were they were and administrators i was relieved because now i had a a guideline to follow too you know we had the matrix in place everywhere you go in the building you everyone knows from specials teachers to aides to administrators um how students are supposed to behave and then we even make our substitutes aware because we want Mm -hmm. them following our matrix as well so the matrix is just huge Matrix is huge. Major and minors are huge. And like Diane said, getting those three big rules and those three things are the biggest thing you can get going. Now, the the other one that is important, and if you work on it that first year, is the reward system. You need something in place for your whole building. I mean, because that's going to help all those other things happen. And don't get too overwhelmed with that either. I mean, we we will talk to you a lot of in-depth, you know, individual behavior charts and rewards and things like that that we've got. But if you just overall... You know, start at what does that reward system like if it comes from the office, if it comes from the classroom, you know, what is it going to look like? But again, even though, and, and, you know, it's also important, we don't want to take autonomy away from teachers. You know, they want to do little money systems in their classrooms. Yes. That's all yes. okay. You, teachers can have that autonomy. And you know, you in their bring room. up a good point because um, the one thing that the matrix, or I'm sorry, just the whole framework, uh, it's more building wide. It doesn't really get specific into classrooms. And in our building, we teachers were afraid we were going to, you know, come into the classroom and tell them how to discipline per se. So if they so, wanted to do that money banking system, we were going to tell we them just no. had the, and that is not had true. this for the school, the matrix right. for the school. But then we wanted teachers to 
also carry through with be safe, be responsible, respectful. And what does that look like in my classroom? And then developing that with the students. And yes, you have to have that reward system or acknowledgement system in place. Uh, and we're going to talk a lot about what that looks like for us in a school but it could look differently or, for you, you know, um, individually. And then it doesn't have to be monetary. I think a lot of schools think that we have to you know, have a lot of monetary kinds of prizes or things, but an acknowledgement Diana system and I are very doesn't have to be that at adamant all. Adamant about not trinkets and things like that. If if you as a teacher want to do that, more power right. to you. I knew teachers who want to get rid of their McDonald's toys. You know, that's up to you. But we here at Minerva Elementary always like to have experiences, yes. and so um, we can talk things about that. But it's you know just having your picture on Facebook or you know doing things that are special privileges for you to do and experiences. And that that's a such a different type of reward system. It doesn't cost any money, and a lot of times it's much more you know Meaningful. it's much more to them. Yeah. Than, than a little trinket or, uh, you know, right. something like that. So we, we really like to look at that type of a reward So system. if you're listening and your school does not have um, PBIS in place, you can still put all of these things in place in your own classroom. You know, you can come up with, in, and I would do this with your students and make sure your students have buy-in. Again, you don't want to mandate this to your students, but rather you could brainstorm one day in a class meeting what what big rules should we have in our classroom? Uh, and then what does behavior look like in our classroom? Uh, and create a small matrix. I think we had a kindergarten teacher last year create a small matrix for her kindergarten classroom. So, you, and I think that's awesome. I had a teacher, you know, talk to me about that. This really wasn't, you know, part of their school. She really wanted to start it. Um, new teachers coming out of college you know, trying to get that behavioral system in their room, which might not ha be across the board yet. But you know what? Success is contagious. So like if you start this little system in your classroom and then your neighboring teacher looks over and goes, hmm, you know, I really like what you're doing. And I take data yes. on it. You know, how many do not, you know, don't have it in the beginning? How many times did you have office referrals? How many times did you, and then start that and then see what it's like towards your Christmas or, or the end of the year. But if you start doing that and then your neighbor wants to jump on board with that, then another neighbor, then, another, then you're going to have administrators looking at you like, Hmm. This might be a thing we want to exactly. do building wide. So don't be afraid to start in your it classroom. in your own room, yeah. in your own room, because it can easily be done. And your students, kindergarten to 12th grade, right. grade will like to be a part of the management of their classroom. When students are a part of it, they have buy-in, just like we said with um, teachers. You know, when people are a part and of it. And that's the voice behind voice, student yeah. councils, you know, all, all that kind of voice stuff. Voice with a choice. Older. And honoring choice. the genius yeah. within each person. I love it. I love I it. I do. I absolutely do. Well, Diane, are we are we about at the end of this I, podcast? I think we are. Think. We just wanted to um, kind of, you know, define what we're talking about in case you're not really sure. Because as we move forward, we're going to have lots of guests with us. And we're going to continue to talk about the process, how we develop certain things and just getting that input from the staff. I love hearing from the staff yeah. and their viewpoint. 
Uh, so that was a big thing we wanted to talk about today. But I'm glad we took a, a minute. Um, like you said, we called this kind of the nuts and bolts. Yes. Um, next week, I hope you join us because we're going to have a teacher come who was there right in the beginning. She was an RTI coach and um, she helped with that beginning framework and what it was like putting those two buildings together. Um, next week's episode is called A Voice with a Choice. We're excited even about that title. So um, I hope you come back and you um, talk with us next time. My name is and Diane And I'm Diane Farrell. Ruff, and we are super glad that you joined us today. All right. Journey to PBIS, Journey to Genius.